0: Hey, it's Graham, and it's Thursday, and that means we're offering you another positive piece of a past interview. Each week, our team digs through the archives to find our strongest feel-good stories to present to you in podcast form. This week, Academy Award-winning actor Matthew McConaughey... Delayed gratification actually ties into your career and stopping romantic comedies. Um, if you don't mind, like provide a little context and then that conversation that you had with your agent.
1: I was doing rom coms. Rom coms are doing very well. I was the go-to rom com guy. Loved doing them. Enjoyed them. They're easy. They're fun. They're making paying me good money. It was in high demand for them. But I also noticed that with so success, so much success I was having at the rom-coms. I was therefore not being in, I was not even in consideration for other dramatic roles maybe I wanted to do. No, 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 not with rom-com McConaughey, not with shirtless on the beach rom-com guy McConaughey. So I said, if I can't do what I want to do, I'm going to stop doing what I've been doing. And I knew there was a big risk in that because man. I mean, how long was I going to go without work? Uh, A month, two months, six months, a year, two years, three years, five years forever. So I uh, had many talks with Camilla about it and shed many a tear about this risk I was about to take. And once I decided, uh, and she recited those words to me that my dad said to me when I want to go to film school on, okay, well don't half-ass it. And I remember calling my agent and saying, I don't want to do, I'm not going to do rom-coms anymore. And uh, he goes, okay. And I remember going, whoa, 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 whoa. You just said, okay, that quick. He goes, yeah. I go, you say, okay, like no big deal, but what are you gonna say on, what do you think your bosses are gonna say Monday morning when you go in the staff meeting and go, McConaughey's not doing rom-coms anymore. They ain't gonna go, okay. They're gonna go, what? And he goes, I don't work for them. I work for you. You got your choice and that's what you go with. Boom, minch of a move. Well, I did, held out. First six months, nothing came in but romantic comedies. Some good ones some good offers, some big offers. One came in at 14.5 mil. I said, no. So then nothing came in. No rom-com offers, nothing. Well, evidently no one mentioned my name for another 14, 15 months. What was your lowest point personally during that process? I remember having some moments feeling like we may need to look into other careers. (laughs) And while that was exciting, to think about a new career, it was also. I felt, nah, yes, you would have gone out of Hollywood on your own terms, but you don't want to go out of Hollywood, so it's not really on your own terms because you really do want to still work and make movies. If if you never work in Hollywood again, that'll kind of that suck, man, because you started it and 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 you, and you built something, and. If they never give you the chance to go do the other things you want to do, you really kind of won't be going out on your own terms. And I didn't want to get out. I didn't want out. I just wanted in in a different way. You know, once I mentally clicked that this is what I'm doing and I'm not going to go, I was, I never really wavered on thinking I, out, of, out of sheer, just probably pride and honor wouldn't have gone back and went, okay, I'll do a rom-com. No, I was in, I was in. And I was saying, th- this will, you know, this disruption will reveal the next thing for me to do. And it did. And that's when actually I became a new good idea after 20 month sabbatical for the Lincoln lawyers, the Killer Joes, the Paper Boys, the Magic Mikes, the, the True Detectives, the Dallas Buyers Club, which I already had control of Dallas Buyers Club, but no one definitely was gonna make it with Rom-Com McConaughey back in those days. Those things came my way and they laid out in front of me and I was so ready,
0: ferociously went after them. You were kind of speaking to the the, the post Oscar period and you said, um, I've learned not to be so completely invested in the outcome that I needed to provide me with a sense of significance. I was less result oriented during that time. You can make a, a great movie
1: that if it's not marketed right or put out at the right time, it all of a sudden you look up and it's gone.
0: To what extent does that impact desire on your end to control more of the process? Look, man, I don't like the blind spot. I like to be in the know and I like to
1: even know what I don't know. It's that part, the third part of post-production, what, how it's told when you put it out, it's, it's, it's just less in my control. I, it's, it's not in my hands and I don't really want to go be a producer or a studio head. I don't really want to do that. I don't want to be a producer and stay in the clay in the, in the, in that, in that post-production phase. And, and it's not where I I think my energies are best spent. So all of Hollywood, not just me has a bit of a blind spot with what is that when it's time to exhibit and distribute and how do you do that in the landscape today, just a moving thing. And that's always moving. It's not, it's not like something that's just happening now, but I think it's happening even more now
0: in Hollywood. What's the likelihood you ever envision a scenario where you significantly curtail or retire from acting?
1: I don't have any, any plans right now to stop acting. I do believe that it's going to take a role in a story that really, really turns me on to quit playing the character that I'm playing right now in life. But I'm also, I am very intrigued with this idea of where it's best to spend my time you know, whether it speak of, you know, governor or leadership roles, the minister of culture, the role that I've assumed and created, I want to be in the place that I can be most useful. I'm ex- most excited about culture, who we are as a people as, as, as individuals, as, as in my state of Texas, as Texans and our nation of the United States as Americans, and worldwide as a species, who we are as a civilization moving forward. This particular time, it's been exposed in our lives that we don't know who to trust, we don't know who to believe in, what to believe in. We're not sure about any social contract or unsaid obligation we should have to ourselves or each other. And I think that's a recipe for danger. I think it starts with the the, the person in the mirror I don't think that, i think we have to understand that there is no leader that's going to come in a position and go i got this no i actually think of a, one of the first things i'd want to say in a leadership position is like look i can lead but i can't do it for you and we have to realize that nobody can do it for us nobody can they can lead us and, and put things in place to give us more opportunities but we, we, we got to do it for ourselves and if we do it for ourselves that's when we're doing it for each other that's why i'm chasing this selfish and selfless thing, that there's a place where the best choice for you is the best choice for the most amount of people. There's a place where the best choice for me is the best choice for we.
0: That's it for now. But if you're hungry for more in-depth with Graham Bensinger interviews, head over to youtube.com slash Graham Bensinger. You can dive into our deep library, which includes more than 2000 clips spanning 11 years. Hope to have you back next week for our Monday and Thursday podcast releases. Thanks again for listening.